Good morning, Reach family. Resurrection Sunday 2020, the stay-at-home version. We just want to welcome all of our Reach regulars um, that knew us prior to the quarantine. But we also want to give a special hello to all of those that have found us online during this. We are grateful that this morning you are worshiping with us. He has risen. So this morning I have one thing that I want you to hear out of what I'm going to talk about. My one thing is we cannot appreciate the cross or the empty tomb without understanding our need for it. The plain and simple truth is that we live, or depending on where you're watching this from, I live in North Carolina and here in the South we take for granted all the time what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It just becomes something that's part of our culture instead of something that we honor and worship. And this morning I found a text over the last few weeks and I just felt like, man, this is the text I want to preach out for Easter, which isn't a typical Easter text. We're going to be in Luke 7. Verses 36 through 50, you don't have to go there right now, but we're going to be there in just a second. Because I want us to understand that how we view our need for what we're celebrating will view will change the way we view this event. This world-changing event. And so here's two questions for you, just to kind of begin to stir this. What did the cross do for you? Depending on where you find yourself this morning, you may not even know what the cross is. You may not even understand what we're talking about. Stay listening. But for those that grew up in a Christian culture that know what the cross is and what it symbolizes, but what did it do for you? Not what did he do for the world, but what did he do for you? My next question to probe a little bit deeper is, do you understand your need for it? Do you understand that there was a reason why Jesus had to complete his mission on planet Earth? He had to go to the cross. There there was no other way for us. And here's a tension that we can feel internally without a healthy understanding of our sin. Yes. We are sinners. There will be no love or appreciation for Jesus. So what I want to pray this morning before we get started is that we would see the depth to our own need, the depth to the the sin that is in us, that has been a part of us, the, the things that we willingly walked into, the things that we by our nature have experienced. And our need for Jesus. So let's pray. Dearly Father, it is by your grace and mercy that right now we have breath in our lungs. That we have the capacity to hear and understand what your word says. And I pray that your word would have the power to stir us this morning. I pray that this morning that you would stir our affections to you. A good and gracious God that didn't leave it up to us to save and rescue ourselves, but you did what we couldn't. And you put on flesh and you you joined us here on this earth and you went all the way to the cross to prove your love for us. And I pray that you would open our 
hardened hearts potentially this morning. That you would open them so that we'd see our need, our desire, our longing for connection to you. And so Lord, we thank you for your word and, and how alive it is in us. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to pick up in Luke 7, starting in verse 36, a story that seems a little odd. And you've probably heard it. If you've been around the church, you've probably heard this story. But it's Jesus takes an invitation to go to dinner at a Pharisee's house. Pharisee was a religious leader of the day, and, and really, for the most part, they didn't like Jesus because he was stirring um, um, conflict around them. They, he, they were challenged. He, Jesus, was challenging some of the things that they thought and believed. And a Pharisee invited Jesus over his house, and I, I think it's duly noted that Jesus went. He took the invitation and he went into his house and he's having dinner. And during this dinner, there's going to be this interaction with this other person. And that's what this story is all about. That's what the text is all about. The word of God. So we're going to pick this up in verse 36. It says one of the Pharisees asked him, talking about Jesus, to come and eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. That's what they did. They had these low tables and they sat around it, which will make more sense in just a little bit. Um, they sit on these pillows at a low table and their feet are typically behind them. In verse 37, it says, And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, bought an alabaster jar full flask of ointment. She heard that Jesus was reclining at the table. And this is, I know it seems odd in our culture, because if I'm having dinner at my house with an invited guest, I don't think that people are just going to walk into my door and interject into our dinner conversation. I don't think people are just going to walk in and, and participate. But in this culture, that was not unusual. This was not unheard of. And so this woman of the city hears that Jesus is having dinner with a Pharisee and she brings this alabaster flask of ointment. Because she had a plan. She had something that she wanted to do. And, and, and standing behind him, picking back up in verse 30, 38, and standing behind him at his feet, because he's reclining at the table, his feet are behind him. Weeping, she began to wet his Feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them, his feet, with the ointment. In verse 39, it says, Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, so the Pharisee is sitting there watching this interaction. He didn't stop it. He didn't, inter he didn't tell her to leave the house. He watched to see what was going to happen. And he watches what we just read, and he starts to think inside himself, starting to have these thoughts. It says, Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw, he said to himself, if this man, a judgment on Jesus, if this man were a prophet, well, we are going to clearly see that he did not believe that he was a prophet because there were things that he would have, should have done for Jesus when he entered his house that he did not do. If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who was touching him. 
For she is a sinner. It's not hidden from us that this was a person of the, the woman of the city. She was a prostitute. No one's going to argue that she wasn't that bad of a sinner. They're, uh, they're clearly, the Pharisee is clearly saying she is a sinner. And he's using her identity and what she's doing to Jesus to put a pronouncement on who Jesus is. Because if Jesus was a prophet, he would clearly know who this was and would not let her touch him. But he did. Jesus did. And then here in, in, in verse 40, we see this a fair amount. We see Jesus interacting here. Here's something, here, here's something, because we're talking about sin. And really, ultimately, I'm trying to get to a place that you understand your need and desire for Jesus. And that needs there because you have a debt that you've incurred because of your own personal sin. But let's just pinpoint that right now, that Jesus was not unaware of what was going on inside of the Pharisee's head. Just like he's not unaware of what's going on in your life right now. There is nothing hidden from him. And in verse 40 it says, And Jesus answered, saying to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. Now this is something to be uh, understood here, he calls him teacher, which is a sign of respect. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honor title. But he's not honoring him with his actions. He's not honoring him, which we'll see in just a second, by what he did when Jesus entered his house, other than speaking the word teacher. In verse 41, it says, A certain, and he tells, and see, this is what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is going to teach him a lesson Based on a story which he's going to tell him right now. In verse 41. A certain money lender who had two debtors. Two people that owed him money. One owed him 500 denarii. And the other 50. So one 500 and one 50. In verse 42 it says when they could not pay. Both of them had a debt. He canceled the debt of both. He canceled the debt. See, Jesus can cancel debt regardless of how high it is. He says, now, and this is the question he directs back at the Pharisee. Now, which of them, the two debtors, will love him more? In verse 43, Simon answers, the one I suppose... For whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Everyone is a debtor. Just like I said, sin is the debt that must be paid. The problem is our own, our own view or low view of our own personal sin. See, this story was about the Pharisee and the, the lady of the city. One had a larger debt that she had to pay because of her sin, and the other still had a debt that needed to be forgiven. The problem is, is the one looking across the room, and we do this all the time, we look at other people and we place a judgment on them based on their life. And this is what the Pharisee was doing. He was looking across the table going, oh, man. 
Look at her. And Jesus teaches us in this story which one would love the one more that forgives the dead. And he says the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt, which was the truth. Verse 44. It says, then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon. He's looking at the woman But he says this to Simon. It says, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, which was a common, respectful thing to do for someone of honor. He called him teacher when they come into his house. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, which I know this in in our in our Corona days of right now quarantine, we're like, we don't kiss anybody. Period. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Verse 46. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. These are all things that should have been done if Simon the Pharisee respected, honored, and wanted to show that to Jesus, he would have rightfully done these things at the beginning, which he did not. He only with lip service, meaning he only communicated any honor to Jesus by the word that he called him, teach him. And then in verse 47, it says, Therefore, I tell you, her sins... This is big. Which are many are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins. Because that was only the job of one person. Or not even person. That was only the job of one, which is God. And Jesus is taking that upon himself. In verse 50, and it says, And he said to this woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now what we don't have, is what brought this woman to this place. What brought this woman to coming in in the potential of ridicule, which she was, because he literally brought that to the attention when Jesus brought up the thoughts that were going on in Simon the Pharisee's head. But in spite of those things, we, we, we don't know if she heard the teaching of Jesus. We don't know at what point she decided that Jesus was who Jesus said he was. That she was willing to face the embarrassment and go in because she understood that in the present culture that she lived in, she had no potential for forgiveness. She had no potential to being made right, to being debt free as it relates to this. But Jesus could offer that to her. See, as we look at Easter, as we look at this Resurrection Sunday, as we look at this 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 Sunday that we kind of we 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 lift up, which we should. My concern is 
Are we lifting it up out of tradition and honoring it out of tradition, just like Simon was, by, by lip service? Oh, it's, it's Easter. Easter, it's Resurrection Sunday. Yay. Are we honoring this season because we understand our need for it? If we're all going to be completely honest, this time has not been easy. It's not been lack, there's not been a lack of trials. There have probably been more trials than normal. And if we're going to be really honest, you're probably even more so, not that you're admitting this, but even more so right now aware of your sin nature. You're aware of the potential that you are struggling in this reality. Because the pressure is on, and when the pressure is on, we typically are aware of what's inside of us. And what I want to bring us to this morning is this reality that we need Jesus now. Not just the moment, if you're already a believer, not just a moment that you said, yes, I am his child, but you need him now. See, the way that we value his journey to the cross, because here's the reality. When he was born of Mary and when he entered our world, he was on a one way course, track, road to the cross and nothing would delay him going there. You remember right before this, when he's praying to God, the father, he's praying, please, if there's another way, take this from me. And what does he say? He said, but, but not my will, but yours. Jesus was not going to give up on his one mission that he had. Because someone has to pay the debt for our sins. Someone has to pay the debt that we've incurred. And what Jesus is becoming is our sacrifice once and for all. For those who trust and believe in him. And before the day that we're celebrating right now, Resurrection Day. He was just a good man who did a good thing and died for his beliefs. But today... We aren't just celebrating the cross. We're not celebrating his death. We're celebrating his resurrection because his resurrection is what communicates who he is. What points to his ability to forgive sins. His ability to bring people together. His ability to set you free. See, Resurrection Sunday changes when we understand our need. And I don't mean like our need, like Simon, the Pharisee, understood his need for God. But he diminished his need because he looked across the world and go, well, man, there's so much worse per persons out there for me. And I'm just going to tell you, like the only person that this message matters for is you. No one else in the room, no one else in your family, not your in-laws. No one. This message this morning is for you. Do you value the cross because you understand your debt?
Because if you don't, this Sunday morning isn't going to matter a whole lot. It's just going to pass on by. But if you do, you understand and have the capacity to love Jesus more because you realize what he's done for you. This morning, I'm grateful for the cross because I am highly aware that I still need Jesus. I'm highly aware that I will never have never had the capacity to save myself. I need Jesus. And this morning, what I want us to do here today is acknowledge that we, you, I, need Jesus. I want us to be to a place that we can communicate that need, that we can ask Him to do for us what we cannot. Listen to this, Romans 5, verses 10 through 11. It says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, Shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have received reconciliation. Jesus has proven for us with the empty tomb that he could do what he promised. And let me just tell you, he's still keeping his promises. And I know I know it's scary. I, I know you, you probably thought I would never be afraid to walk in public. I would never. Why would you wear a mask? I understand that there's so much uncertainty right now, but I want to tell you one thing that is very certain is that when Jesus came out of that tomb, he once and for all told us who he is. And his truth about that is in his word. And he's telling us this morning, be like the woman who loved much because she was forgiven much. Understand your need. Acknowledge it. Confess it this morning. Pause if you need to and just confess your sin. Confess this thing that's going on in your life. Free yourself from it. Ask Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, to perfect you. And this morning, I just want to say there, there's, there's a, a great reality that some of you watching this don't know Jesus. And let me tell you, I'm sorry for some of the crazy, culturally Christian stuff that's bombarded you over the years. The judgmentalness, the anger, and I just want to tell you that Jesus is looking for followers. He wants people to surrender to him and be led by him into his truth. That is for certain. He wants people to acknowledge him as their Lord and Savior. He is the one who created you. And I just encourage you this morning as 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 you're watching this, that if you're at that place that you're just, you, you need. When I, when I was 18 years old, I, I remember that desperate moment where I was 
For sure. And I grew up in the church, but I was for sure in that moment that I finally was ready to surrender and say, I am yours. And if this is that moment for you, all you've got to do is acknowledge your sin. Repent of it. Turn from that. Ask Jesus to lead you to life. Follow him. Follow his word. Get to know him. Invite yourself into a community of other believers that can help lead and guide you. And we at Reach Community Church would love to give you resources and other things. If you're making a decision today uh, because of this video or because of where God has led you to today, let us know so we can encourage and love you. And so what I'd like to do right now, which may be a little unusual, maybe you've never administered communion in your house, but we're getting ready to do that. So if you haven't gotten your communion supplies, um, if they're not in the house, sorry. Um, but if they're in the house, pause for just a second, go get them and then come right back. All right. So Jesus, on the night he was going to be betrayed, he had a meal with his disciples. And he told his disciples to do this in remembrance of him. He told them as they were breaking bread. He said, this is my body that was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when it got to the end, when they had the wine, he said, this is my blood. Which was shed for you. And so this morning we're going to, this is a perfect, perfect moment. For this, We're going to honor God because what communion does, it makes us family. If you're not related to me um, by blood, we can be family because of this, because of his, uh, our aligning ourselves to the one who called us into his kingdom. And so what I encourage you to do, and this is what it said in first Corinthians, it tells us to not just. Ha, you know, not just come to this without thinking. And I, I just encourage you, just sit there. Allow this moment of just cleansing yourself. Not you, but confessing your sin to Jesus. Open yourself to him and say, God, I need you. And then when you're ready as a family or by yourself, if you're at home alone, take some bread and break it and acknowledge what Jesus has done for you. Take that and realize that you're inviting his presence into your life. And then take the juice, the wine. And thank Jesus for the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. This is what makes us one. So church, as you take communion, I just encourage you to love your family. Acknowledge that. Bless them in this moment. I thank you for being a part of our Easter at home. Uh, I encourage you to stay connected. We'd love to hear your comments below. We'd love for you to share uh, this message so that other of your friends can see it, can hear it, 
can hear the message and redemption that Jesus offers in the cross. And until we see you either in person or here publicly, we love you. Go out and reach your world by serving them. We'll see you next time.